Well, I want to welcome everyone to Sojourners Church this morning on this third Sunday in Advent of this Christmas season. I want to start today by reiterating the definition of Advent that Tyler shared with us the first Sunday. And that is, Advent is the season of waiting designed to cultivate our awareness of God's actions, past, present, and future. It is also that time of the year of the usual holiday chaos, and this year has been magnified very unsettlingly with a strange year of 2020. This calendar year is almost done, and I think most people want to focus on 2021 with the hope of a much better year. But as Christians, we have to redirect ourselves, as we do every year during Advent season, and focus on a newborn baby in a manger in Bethlehem with angels and shepherds. But... Who is this child? Let's pray. So, Father, we gather this morning in this presence, your presence during this Advent season. Lord, I just um, ask now that you you send your spirit. And I ask, Lord, that you join us that way. And, Lord, as we go through your word, that your word impacts every one of our hearts today. Uh, We just... We just need that, and we need uh, strength in our weaknesses. So, Father, again, be with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So our our sermon text this morning is just one verse from Isaiah 9-6. It's maybe the most familiar verse of all Christmas prophecies, and it was written nearly 700 years before the birth of Christ. Isaiah 9-6, For to us a child is born... To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I ran across some interesting facts while prepping for this message. Did you know that last Wednesday marked the 55th anniversary of the debut of the Charlie Brown Christmas special? When it first aired on December 9, 1965, it was the second most watched show following Gilligan's Island and preempting the Munsters. says a lot about our culture in 65. 50% of all television sets in America tuned in and watched that first episode. It's also not surprising the producers of the program didn't want anything religious in the program. However, Charles Schultz disagreed, the creator, on the removal of the religious content of the program and would not back down. And fortunately, Schultz won out And ironically, after everything was said and done, the program won an Emmy Award. But what I want to draw your attention to is there's a very interesting question from Charlie Brown Christmas special that is very relevant to our understanding of our text in Isaiah today. Christmas season frustrated, Charlie Brown shouts out the question. Isn't there anybody who knows what Christmas is all about? I don't think Charlie Brown could have done that better, you know. <laughs> Are you buying for an Emmy too as well? Is it? Okay. As Christians, we should always be aware of people asking or thinking that same question and have our answer ready to share, especially if the lead pastor asks it. So Linus then properly responds by reciting scripture. And he, he recited Luke 2, 8 to 14. We're just going to look at verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David 
a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. You see, Linus quoting Luke 2.11 points out the fulfillment of the birth of the prophesied baby we talk about in Isaiah 9.6. By reading through Scripture, we cultivate the awareness of God's actions of past, present, and future. And the best way to understand Scripture, well, first of all, is read it. But read it in the view of the entire context or story of Scripture. And let Scripture interpret Scripture. That's what we're going to do today. See the broad-spectrum view of the biblical story, as Tyler pointed out last week. The best way to identify and understand our text in Isaiah and its prophecy is to simply look at its fulfillment and let Scripture interpret Scripture. With hindsight of 2020 and the possession of the New Testament gives us an unfair advantage of the Old Testament Jews who spent hundreds of years wondering when. So now let's fast forward even farther ahead, about three decades from a manger in Bethlehem to the district of Caesarea Philippi. In Matthew 16, Jesus asked his disciples probably the most important question in the history of the world. Actually, a question we're all faced with at some point in time in our lives. Now, when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Who do you say that I am? Well, today there's no shortages of answers. Jehovah Witnesses claim Jesus is the archangel of Michael and the first created being. Mormons say he's the half-brother of Lucifer, and we can become like him. Islam claims he is a good prophet, but inferior to Muhammad. Hindus claim he was a holy man. By studying Isaiah 9-6, we will learn what the Bible says is his true identity, or who this baby Jesus is, and why understanding his true identity changes our lives. Isaiah prophesies this would be a miraculous event, unlike any the world had ever seen. And the details Isaiah gave about his birth were fulfilled precisely by Jesus, as pointed out by Linus from Luke 2. Now, back to Bethlehem, the baby in the manger, and Isaiah's prophecy about it. Consider the rich truth in this one short verse. The attributes given to this baby in the manger. As I study and unpack this, I was actually very overwhelmed by what this verse was saying. In fact, also very humbled. This baby in the manger, to the Jewish nation, Isaiah's prophecy was the news of a coming king, which for them was a situation of time and waiting and asking when. This baby in a manger to an unsuspecting lost world is a prophecy that promised a savior. Going all the way back to Genesis 3.15, which Tyler talked on last week. Bottom line is, this baby in the manger was God incarnate, whose coming dramatically and forever would alter human history. So the word, the word of the Lord came to Isaiah and told him to write, For a child will be born to us. What do you think of when you see a newborn baby? If you look at the little baby of Jake and Val's this morning, do you think of power and strength, majesty? Or do you see a cute little new life that's vulnerable, needs food, warmth, protection, and lots of love? Probably the latter, right? 
In Matthew 16, Jesus called himself the Son of Man. A child will be born to us is a statement about his humanity. He began life like any other human, as an infant. Isaiah doesn't say more about this here, but we know from the New Testament that, that Christ experienced every temptation common to humanity, but he never sinned. Hebrews 4:15 For if we do not have a high priest who is un, sorry, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect was tempted as we are yet without sin As a man he felt everything we feel hurt like we hurt wept like we weep and in his death even felt the weight of the sin as he took ours on upon himself A son will be given to us we do not have the capacity to comprehend or understand what it meant for the second person of the Trinity to enter humanity. Matthew 16, Peter identified him as the Son of God. A son will be given to us. By saying given, not born, Isaiah points out that Jesus existed before his birth. He was already God, the second person of the Trinity, before he was given us to be a Savior. Philippians 2 Verse 6 and 7. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. He came as the Son of God, God in, in a human body, fully God, fully man, to conquer sin and death forever. So when the Word became a child, think about it a minute. The infinitely powerful became weak. The wonderfully majestic became humble. The creator of the universe became one of us and was raised under earthly parental supervision and the will of God the Father. It's totally incomprehensible, but it separates Christianity from all other religions of the world. Now let's go back to the definition of the Advent season again season of waiting designed to cultivate our awareness of God's actions, past, present, and future. At his birth, we see God's plan and the work of salvation beginning to unfold. He would be the perfect sacrifice, fully God, fully man, as one who lived a sinless life. Here's another example of how we interpret Scripture with Scripture. A child will be born speaks of the word becoming flesh. Here are some well-known verses. When you apply them to the broad picture, it creates quite an understanding of Isaiah 9.6. A couple of these we had this morning already. John 1.1, 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1.14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Hebrews 2.9 But we see him for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the sufferings of, of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Galatians 4.4 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law. Galatians 4.4 4, In that one short verse, you, first of all, you see God's action, and there's the fullness of time. We see Christ's deity, God sent his son. We see his humanity, born of a woman, and his requirements, requirements to live a sinless life 
under the law. He, this child, became one of us to die for us, to free us, to guide us, to teach us. He died on the cross to set us free from the consequences of sin, but he didn't stay dead. And he demonstrated that what he said about God's sin, redemption, was true. In a few months, we'll actually we'll be acknowledging that in yet another holiday. But here's something I want you to ponder. In that child that Isaiah prophesied about, the majesty of God, the glory of God, the omnipresence of God, was in submission to the law in the form of an infant child that could be held in the arms of his earthly mother. Ponder that. Try and wrap your minds around that. His being a son being given to us is a precious gift from God the Father. Talk about the ultimate Christmas gift. And the government will rest on his shoulder. The government will rest on his shoulder looks beyond the first Christmas to a time still in prophetic future when Christ shall reign over a literal earthly geopolitical kingdom that encompasses all kingdoms and governments of the world. Again, remember the definition of the Advent. Season of waiting designed to cultivate our awareness of God's actions, past, present, and future. We wait today for fulfillments. So we, you see, we are waiting, we are waiting for us as well. We wait for a future fulfillments of God's actions. Zechariah 14.9, And the Lord will be the king over all the earth. On that day the Lord will be one, and his name one. Isaiah 9.7, Of the increase of his government, and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David, and over his kingdom. In that future day, the whole world will rest upon his shoulder, and he will reign as sovereign over a worldwide kingdom of righteousness and peace. In the meantime... However, you might suppose his government operates a bit in secret. His kingdom and sovereign rule are manifest within those who trust him as their Lord. Luke 17, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here he is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. John 18, 36, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Names have meanings. For example, in Genesis 17, 5, God speaks to Abram. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called be Abraham. For I have made you a father of a multitude of nations. It defines the meaning of the name Abraham, the father of a multitude of nations. Plain and simple, these names in Isaiah 9 belong to God. Jesus' name exhibits four aspects of his character. The names of this future king by Isaiah are names associated with God. These specific titles do not appear in the New Testament in reference to Jesus as direct quotes that I can find, but they certainly are alluded to. Wonderful Counselor. Isaiah twenty-eight twenty-nine. This also comes from the Lord of hosts. He is a wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. John fourteen twenty-six. But the helper of the Holy Spirit 
whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to you your remembrance all that I have said to you. John seven forty six. the officers answered, No one ever spoke like this man. Jesus' counsel is the answer to the world's confusion. During his incarnation, Christ demonstrated his wisdom as a counselor and a teacher. When people came to him, he always knew what to say, when to reach out to a seeking heart, and when to rebuke an evil and cold-hearted soul. And it is to him that we must turn to make sense of life's confusion, as it's revealed to us as we read his word. Jesus is the counselor who knows everything. He knows all about us. He knows the needs of our heart, and he knows how to answer those needs. And he always gives wise counsel to those who hear his voice and obey him. John eighteen thirty seven. Then Pilate said to him, so, you're, you, so you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born. For this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. John fourteen six. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Isaiah calls him, this baby in the manger, mighty God. Just one chapter later in Isaiah 10.21, Isaiah uses the same title for God himself, mighty God. There are so many things that could we use to explain this, but it's just best to let Scripture interpret Scripture. Genesis 1.16 and God made the two great lights, and the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser night to rule the night, and the stars. Psalm 19, 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Psalm 147. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. The end of... Verse 16 of Genesis, Genesis 1 always just blows me away. In the whole creation story, basically it ends with, oh, and by the way, he created the stars also. This is a picture of the Milky Way from the Hubble telescope. Astronomers estimate that there are 100,000 million stars in the Milky Way alone. Outside that, there are millions of other galaxies. Back to Isaiah. Isaiah forty twenty six. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by the number, calling them by, by name, by the, by the greatness of his might. And because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Colossians 1. 1617. I love Colossians 1. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Isaiah reminds his readers God's knowledge and understanding is so great that he calls every star by name. To a human eye, the stars appear to be just an infinite, almost an infinite number. Yet God, in his wisdom, 
gave each one its individual characteristics and placed it in its exact location. Isaiah charged the people, lift up your eyes on high, look to the heavens above and see who created the stars, or look to a manger. Isaiah 9.6, you see the child's name as mighty God. Everlasting Father. John 10.30, I and the Father are one. Jesus said to him, Have I been you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And how can you say, Show us the Father? Hebrews 1 3. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the words of his power. After making purifications for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus' kingdom has no bureaucracy or corruption. His shoulders are government by himself. He can, he can do it before his name and his character shall be everlasting God. He and the Father are one. He is the creator of heaven and earth, for by him all things are created. He was the person, Godhead, who created time out of eternity and fashioned the universe from nothing. He is in complete, com- complete and sovereign control. Jesus will be called Everlasting Father. And only God himself can truly be called Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. The Son given to us shall be a Prince of Peace who brings peace. By this time, I got this far in in writing the message, and I was so overwhelmed I just couldn't come up with any of my own words necessary to describe the beauty of the peace. Better just to use Scripture to interpret Scripture, what Isaiah was prophesizing. John fourteen twenty seven. Peace I leave, I leave you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you, but let your hearts not be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Colossians 1, 20, And through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. Romans 5, 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So in closing today, let's go back to the Charlie Brown question. Is there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about, as Tyler dramatically performed earlier? For the world, Christmas has become a commercialized frenzy of crazed shoppers and holiday parties. Black Friday is now a month long. They have forgotten about what Christmas is all about. Or a better explanation is they never knew what Christmas was truly about. It is the whole story of God's actions, past, present, and future. For the, Christ, for the Christian, Christmas is a time of celebration of the birth of the Lord God in our world so that we, he might save us, a child born, a son given, for he is God with us, Emmanuel. As we come down to the focal point of this message and the unveiling of God's plan of actions, consider a key theme in the book of Hebrews. 
that Jesus offered the perfect sacrifice for the sins of men. He lived as a man, suffered temptations as we do, and yet never forfeited his perfect life by committing sin. With his death on the cross, he offered his life as like an unblemished lamb on our behalf, in our place, suffering the penalty which was due each of us. With his own blood, obtained our eternal redemption. It's no surprise when Paul wrote to the Corinthians that he preached Christ crucified. That perfect sacrifice is at the core of the gospel. This Christmas, consider the wonderful promise, promises of Christ and how he fulfilled these rich prophecies in your life through saving, sanctifying, and sustaining work. Three closing questions for you today. How do the scriptures you heard today cultivate your awareness of God's actions? And how does it resonate with you in your daily walk with Him? Can you think of someone in your life that needs to hear this story of God's actions and this gospel story? How would you answer this question? Who is this baby that we celebrate being born in Bethlehem and prophesied by Isaiah close to 2,700 years ago? Colossians 2, 9 and 10. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the amazing writings of the prophet Isaiah and the incredible truths that he revealed along with all of Scripture about the Lord Jesus as child, child born, son given. Father, we are overwhelmed by your creation of the universe and of life and the creation of eternal life given to us through the life, death, and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ. May we never cease to wonder at your might, majesty, dominion, power, and grace. I pray now for those hearing the sound of my voice may be given the opportunities to share the story of God's actions and the plan of redemption to those who so desperately need it. Father, never let us forget the truth revealed in this story. I pray this through the name of Jesus, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amen. <laughs>